following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. First down. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a June edition of Talking Cowboys here from inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star in Frisco as the offseason continues to roll on for Dallas Cowboys come on, come Nation. On. We chopping without Isaiah here. Yeah. In, it's not the same. It's not. not. I mean, so Isaiah is going to be flying in here much like we did. For those of you loyal listeners out there, you remember back to the first in-person episodes that we ever did. Isaiah forgot that we were doing them back-to-back days, and he came just flying in uh, like 95 miles per hour down highway, or what, what would that be, I-35 from yeah, Louisville? sure. And, uh, and he came flying into the show. He's going to do something similar to that here over the next couple minutes, and I'm sure he's listening. So Isaiah Stanback will join us shortly. But we do have Rob Phillips, Cowboys insider, professional football analyst, and we can say that now even more so for Heckma Harrison because he has made his DallasCowboys.com debut. Hey! My friend, talk to me nice. <laughs> talk well done. to me nicely. And it is a good read. I, I read it at least twice this week because I read it while I was out of town, and then All I read right. it. Last night to kind of get my my thoughts right and get the preparation right for the show. Heckma on DallasCowboys.com last Wednesday. You can go find it. I, I just tweeted the link out. Uh, eight under the radar standouts from Cowboys OTAs. It really is uh, a, a good article. And, and Rob, he did a nice job of kind of laying things out because OTAs are underway. We'll have some more throughout the week to talk to you about. But uh, what have we seen so far? From the Cowboys as they have gotten on the field. A lot of work in shorts and helmets. <laughs> no pads yet. We'll do that, I think, in Oxnard, if and when that's officially announced. But like Heckma wrote about, and go check it out because it's a great piece, there's still stuff to see. You can see how guys are moving around. You can you can see it where guys are lining up. And if you want to draw conclusions from that, you can. Now, we're only getting one OTA per week. And... This week it's Thursday, so we got to wait till Thursday to see the. Oh. Uh, the yeah, I know, I know they shuffled things around this week, but uh, you know, we watched Dak, we watched the offense that was out there. There were some guys missing, and we got a peek at the defense. So yes, it, that was fun to see. You know, what I was trying to do is not write through such an optimistic lens because you have to understand that. It is just OTAs. They are in just shorts and jerseys. So I'm not about to put anyone in the Hall of Fame based off of that. But it really was some positive signs from a few guys. I mean, defensive line-wise, and I was had a fan point that out to me that, you know, of the eight players, four of them were defensive linemen. And I guess there's a lot of my attention was on the defensive line, but it was really good to see uh, some of the guys that we have question marks around actually in action, seeing these guys, you know, move, basically work on one-on-one with Quinn. Um, you just realize that this defense, man, there's a new – infusion of energy with this group that obviously you need to have that you in a situation where you finish as bad as you did last season but really some some great signs from some guys that you're looking to make uh, key contributions in the fall name some of those guys that that kind of stuck out to you I know you highlighted like eight separate players yeah. in your article but and the majority of them being on that defensive line I think that's just a byproduct of one there being so many new faces there and of course drawing your attention to that, but two, it's just easier to get a read yeah. on those types of guys in these sort of drills as opposed to maybe a secondary uh, player, which is, it's much tougher to kind of read. Right. Well, Brent Urban, one, is when you see that group, the defensive line group together, Brent Urban is someone that sticks out like a sore thumb because of his size. He is just a big person. But then just his ability to move. You know, you realize that from where we were last year with guys like Antoine Woods, that was smaller in stature guy, even uh, Crawford, you know, a bigger guy, but not as big as Urban. And so I just think that his presence 
presence on that defensive line, you're going to see uh, a, a lot of you know, momentum with this group as the preseason going into the regular season just because of his presence. He's a great example of the, the additions they've made on the D-line this offseason. They, they've added a lot of guys who've played in multiple schemes, who can play multiple spots. He's been in a hybrid scheme in Baltimore. He's, been, he can, you know, he's an end who can kick inside. Uh, Carlos Watkins can do that too. Mm-hmm. Terrell Basham can stand up or put his hand in the ground. Uh, Osia Digazua is played everywhere on the D-line at UCLA. So you kind of get a hint based off of the additions they made of what Dan Quinn wants to do. I mean, we talk about that 4-3, cover-3 scheme. And Mike McCarthy said, look, I don't think we're going to change too much of what we did on defense last year. That might make fans cringe. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They just need to execute better. I think what they felt like was by the end of the season, they started to get the production they wanted in some aspects, especially taking the ball away. Now come in with Dan Quinn and, and kind of refine those things and bring in his own concepts too. But yeah, some of the D linemen, you know, catch your eye. I was watching the linebackers. You know, I just wanted to see where guys were lining up. And for what it's worth, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, no surprise, are the two linebackers. You mm-hmm. know, with the first team, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and, and typically, that's not uncommon. Might very well be the, what we see week one, but that's not uncommon uh, for veterans to take the rookies. Uh, spots or whatever uh, with first, second team in these in these OTA practices. Now, you said a couple of things there that I kind of want to put a pin in and come back to. Uh, I, I wanted to ask uh, another question about Brent Urban. I mean, six foot seven, three hundred pounds. He played a lot of defensive tackle throughout his career, but everything that I've heard is him maybe slipping outside and playing on that edge. I mean, he had an eighty-three plus run defense grade on PFF last year, and one hundred and eighty rush defense snaps. So my question is, do you think he plays inside or do you play he plays the majority of his snaps outside? Because I think that could play a factor into whether or not he will be on the 53-man because they only take five of each. That's a good question. I mean, I would think with D-Law at your left end, you're probably seeing him kick inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on first, second down, and then third down or clear passing situations, you've got your best four rushers on the field. That's that's what I would expect. And, and, and I agree with what you just said, Rob, but I think Urban is so multifaceted. And we, we, you talked about it, him, his ability to play the one, play the three, play the five. Uh, when you ask those questions about the defense and not completely changing to the 4-3 look, still using some variations of that 3-4, a guy of his size is what is prototypical in a 3-4 defense, being able to be a two-gap guy mm-hmm. uh, with size 6'7", 300 pounds, and able to hold up two guys to allow linebackers to read and react. So I think that is what is, you know, the thing that he has, uh, the feather in his cap, basically. I'm just interested to see because I, whenever I watched him on film, the best tape he had was inside. And then the first thing I had heard whenever he showed up was, hey, he's going to kick outside for us, and which is fine. He'll probably do both. He probably will. Yeah. He, may, he may be your Tyrone Crawford veteran replacement where we have a guy like maybe Osa Digizua on the inside yes. uh, who can fill that role My as goodness. a rookie. Now, you also said not changing a whole lot from a defensive standpoint. And my question to you is, is if that is the mindset from Mike McCarthy and this entire coaching staff, how is that possible with a new defensive coordinator, a new energy brought in? How do they execute that, at least have higher execution on a defense if they're going to try and run things the same way? Well, coaches not divulging what they're going to do is pretty it's, much right? atypical of coaches. So, so is it just a big smoke screen? Uh, I, I assume it would be. But when you look at the league in general, a lot of teams play a variation of all things. You, you know, it's it's all depending on the amount of receivers, you know, to nickel coverages and, and so forth. So, yeah, look, you have to be multifaceted in your defensive approach. No one plays just a – you know, obviously you have your base that you, you play. And I think their base is going to be a 4-3. Mm-hmm. Just all things being considered yeah. uh, but they have to be able to play multiple sets versus teams so I, I just I think that whole argument versus going to one over another is just being overblown because yeah. when it comes down to camp you're going to see all kinds of looks you know right up into that first week yeah I just don't think it's this rigid they're a pure 4-3 base scheme. every every t- defense in the league pretty much is now a hybrid where you're doing all kinds of things and actually McCarthy said recently 
don't get caught up so much in four three three four. It's about the techniques, and so you, you know you're going to see a little bit of everything, just like you see from a lot of defenses. And when you look at Dan Quinn's background. He has coached 3-4 schemes. He has been in hybrid schemes when he was in Miami with Nick Saban. Uh, a 3-4 base scheme in, in New York with the Jets. So he doesn't he's, – he's, he's, he's been around a lot of different disciplines. So I think you're going to see a nice mix of that. And, and really, I don't – McCarthy was – I wouldn't say defiance the word last year, but I, I feel like last year he – it wasn't so much about, in his mind, we did – this big scheme change and it was a failure. It was just they didn't execute well enough by until maybe towards the end of the season. Now the run defense was a problem, mm-hmm. but he didn't feel like there was so much on the 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 players in terms of volume. I, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I I think they tried to do too much personally, but I, I think he felt like from an execution standpoint it got better by December and now you can try to build off of that. And hopefully have some better communication uh, than what you had in the offseason. I think Dan Quinn's a big part of that because under Mike Nolan, it just it wasn't getting done based on the offseason work they had, and it was virtual and it was new. So that's you know that was a challenge. And I appreciate all of that, man. But the learning curve was not there. Okay, let's <laughs> well, just it keep it real. And you know the way that they looked, especially certain situations. You just go back to the Cleveland game. I mean, like duh, mm-hmm. like of course they weren't getting it. You know, you had teams going for three hundred yards rushing against you, and now you're talking about now you're in a situation where you are going to go back to the same defense as before. And I think the fan base is just asking, what's going to be the difference between last year and this year? Hopefully it's personnel. Hopefully it's personnel. Hopefully it's simplifying the scheme. Hopefully guys are comfortable in it. And that's why you bring in your guys from Atlanta that know your system, know the terminology, and can execute and help other guys execute on the fly. I just want to kind of clarify this for any of those listening that may be asking the same question as I am. Because I've heard this a couple times from Mike McCarthy, and it may just be smoke screens. He needs to choose another smoke screen, I think, if that's the case. But how much impact does he have on this defense? How much say does Mike McCarthy as the head coach have, even though he's an offensive mind, and he always has been, how much input and impact does he have whenever he hops in those rooms? Um, I... As the head coach, he, he makes any decision he wants to make. Sure, but I think when you hire a guy with Dan Quinn's credentials, I, I think he's going to have a lot of autonomy. I mean, you look at the draft itself, and uh, what they did from a personnel standpoint is they found Dan Quinn players. So I think from that standpoint, I think Dan Quinn's going to have what he needs to run his scheme. Now, is Mike McCarthy going to spend a bunch of time in that room? I don't. I don't really think so. I think probably more. He's more of a walk around coach anyway. But if he's going to spend more time somewhere, uh, depending on how things go, I would think it'd be in the offensive side of the room. And generous, generally speaking, I believe head coaches coach the coaches, you know, and just right. making sure uh, that things operate at an optimal level. Uh, you know, obviously, if there's anything scheme wise in game, um, he may have. Some tidbits, but you know, I, I believe that he's fully confident in Dan Quinn and his ability to direct this defense towards better, you know, better statistical numbers than we had last year. Lots of positives coming out of OTAs with some of these individuals hanging around. What about Dak Prescott? What have we seen from QB one as he's back on the field? He is throwing. We've seen pictures. What, what were you guys able to see as a media? whenever you walked into the Ford Center and were able to kind of get your eyes on Dak for the first time in a uniform in quite some time? I did the Blitz for Sunday night on Friday, and what I said was, if you were under a rock for six months, okay, just say somebody's under a rock. They didn't see anything about the Cowboys last year. Good for you. Lucky. I know. I I, I am jealous. (laughs) And you come out. Where where do I find a rock? You come out of that rock, and you think the Cowboys might have won the Super Bowl. They didn't, unfortunately. And you saw Dak Prescott (laughs) practice in that red jersey, and you said, wow, he looks like Dak Prescott. I don't don't think you would have known that he had the injury he had. Now, again, it's helmets and shorts. He's not getting any sort of sort of pass rush against him they're keeping him out of that which is really smart by the way because you got young players especially on the defensive line learning the pace of practice you don't want anybody rolling up on that 160 million dollar ankle Mm-mm. but uh, from from a pocket presence rolling out making throws on the run uh, handoffs everything he just he looks confident on that ankle heck now I gotta ask you Rob how do you like as far as your 
your worries about Dak, knowing the kind of player that he is, what are some of your concerns coming into the season, just knowing of that horrific injury that he had? What are you, what are you concerned about? If I had a concern right now, I think it would just be the timing for him uh, because it's been October since he was really on the field practicing, timing with his receivers. and then. But I think by training camp, he's going to get that sorted out. Now, I, people made – not made a big deal of, but there were some plays he missed. There was an interception. There was a pass broken up. He takes chances in these practices. He always before has. the injury. He he wants to kind of test. He he even said it afterwards. Like I want I want my receivers to know I'm I'm going to look for him. I'm going to try to fit in a spot. Uh, so I wouldn't read into that, but I I do think there's probably a bit of rust there. And he talked about a psychological element there in terms of trusting his ankle. And again, I think by week one. He says he's probably out of that already by now, but I think by week one there should be, you know, no second thoughts about you know the health of his ankle and doing anything he needs to do on it. I love when we got an opportunity to listen to the conference call with Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. and Dalton Schultz talking about the velocity of his ball and nothing changed from that aspect. And, you know, it's I think it's the muscle memory of it for him as a, as a quarterback that I think it makes it really easy going into his sixth season knowing what it is to, to prepare and be an NFL quarterback. I Like everyone else, the obvious thing would be what happens once he gets pressure. Is he going to be apprehensive about leaving the pocket? Is, is it going to be on his mind and right now the way that he's practicing in shorts it doesn't look like there's any residual effect there mentally my thing for Dak is taking the next step you know the pressure is going to be on him because of the contract and people are going to be every throw is going to be under the microscope if you want to get into the realm of the Roethlisberger's, the Rogers, the Wilsons, the Mahomes, the elite group the elite group be more cerebral in your approach meaning you know, if calling audibles when you catch a defensive coordinator in the wrong coverage, mm-hmm. you see them trying to do their sub packages, hurrying up to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball. Those little nuanced things of football, I think those are the things that he has to improve upon so that he can be elevated to yeah. that next level of quarterbacks. I, Go for it. Sorry, I just to, to piggyback on that. I think by the time Romo got to like year 2014, when they got to the divisional round, the Des catch year. He had completely gained the perfect understanding of his offense. He was like a he was like a pilot that that had every he knew everything there. Was, he'd seen every coverage, uh, and he was perfectly in control of that scheme. And I think for Dak, it's just a matter of continuing to be in that scheme. And I think having Kellen Moore and having that carryover will help him there. Um, but that's a shame about Romo's career is that once he got to that point, 2015, then the collarbone injuries, and then it was over. You know. There is a little something that does worry me about that. Just because there was so much uncertainty around his contract situation and because of the injury, that could have been his time to you know hit the playbooks and really kind of get to that point of understanding. And he may have done that. We'll see that pretty early on in the season. If we can kind of see a, 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 a stout difference of the kind of cerebral excuse me approach that you were talking about a yeah. moment ago I think that's something that would stick out pretty early on week one two or three is there any worry about longevity though with the ankle with the physicality of this game and the longer season because turning right back around he's going to face hits at some point he will be hit is there a chance that not maybe not week five or six, but later in the season, you start kind of worrying about that ankle and it, whether or not it is ready to take a staunch hit like he did, of course, last last year? Well, I think in this league, you're always one hit away. It's one hit away. I mean, Dak looked indestructible through however many yes. seasons, you know, and it just it was a freak play. Other than maybe taking a couple shots to the helmet and you, and you got to get checked for concussions, like he hadn't had anything, um, and he's still that guy. The ankle's strong. Everything you hear, the ankle is strong. And I think one thing that would make Cowboys fans hopefully feel better about it is just think about Alan Hearns. Okay, Alan Hearns had basically the same, same injury, injury yeah. January of 2019. By OTAs of that year, he was on the field doing everything. Everything. At the receiver position where you really got to rely on your legs and your speed, that's not Dak's game, or it doesn't have to be. And he doesn't have to be a guy that scrambles as much as he does in the future. He's talked about that. I don't really have a lot of concern about that. I think the ankle is strong, and and he's going to be okay. Uh, Hopefully the offensive line stays healthy because they've had their injury concerns. Maybe if that's a concern I have, it's like they've got great linemen 
Can they stay healthy, too? Did we hear any or see anything off of Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, health-wise this week, or was there really relatively no impact from what they did in OTAs? They were there a little bit, right? Yeah, they were a little bit. Yeah, Britt Brown and Bands, baby. Off to the side. (laughs) Off to the side. That's less fun than practice itself. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, he does a great job. I feel like training camps where we're really going to get an injury update on those two, if if I would have to guess. But there's plenty of guys that we were looking at for OTAs, two of which former Dan Quinn guys. Who out of the Falcons team is going to make the Biggest impact as a Dallas Cowboys under Dan Quinn. We're going to talk about that and debate when we come back on Talking Cowboys presented by Geico. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. To talking Cowboys. Rolling into segment number two here of Talking Cowboys, live and streaming from coast to coast and around the world, live and in person. That's what I was going to say. From inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios, we do have Isaiah Stanback joining us. Oh, yeah, there's a nice <laughs> smile for the camera. Unbelievable. Did you just want a four-day weekend? What what was going on here, nah, sir? No, nah, see, what had happened was... Um, what had happened was... When we were co- commuting from the, la- the last show um, to now, I was coming back from... Man, stop it! So what had happened stop was... Stop it! You know, that, you know, <laughs> kids, business. There's been a lot going on, man. Wow. You hear this? On. So uh, we're not a priority. We no, not at all. That, but well, that's I okay. Mean, I, thought, I didn't say I that. thought he was the star, and we... What? what? Wasn't that what he Gladys was? Knight and Wheel the Pips. Isn't that what it was? But then you reversed it. Isn't that what it you was? just reversed it right now. Yeah. You, all you needed See, was a cape like, and some smoke the way you just came through the door right now. I kind of wanted to just bask in it for a second. Nah, <laughs> don't try and divert this old Kyle. That's you. Nah, nah. No, no, that's right. Miscommunication. That's it was. Uh, it I'll was. Take, I'll take the L on that one. That's on me. I want that's your car. I just I want the car you drive <laughs> because this happened when the at the what was it? The, outside the Tostitos. Outside yeah. the Tostitos show that yeah. we did outside. Yeah. And you just made it smooth. I mean, it was like, I'm not saying you spent it over here. I wasn't going to say anything, but there's an underground tunnel. Okay. Um, uh, I was going to tell you about it. Underground tunnel. Oh, okay. That's That's exclusive. My guy Elon's been working. Okay. Uh, Just saying. (laughs) Boy, I tell you. Goodness gracious. But I was listening uh, to y'all, man. I see y'all, y'all talking about it, talking about Dak and, Chopping and it talking up. about, you know, the, the bands, Britt Brown with the bands. And yeah. Those were fun, right? Yeah. I spent too much time on those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know all about them. You know, know too much about them. Yeah. You know what else you know about? What's that? Whether you're watching from home or cheering in the stands That's with right. Essilor lenses, you can see every exciting play, book an appointment with your local Essilor experts, and find the perfect Essilor lens for you. See more, do more. 
Kesselor on Talking Cowboys. I had to have you for that reason. Yeah, but that was really what I was coming in for. Oh, for sure. Now you can leave. You're out of here. Thanks, man. Uh, hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Of course, we would be remiss if we did not salute all the men and women of our armed forces yes. around the country who have given the ultimate sacrifice and those of you who have just served to, so that we, we could do things like this and talk freely and, and speak freely and, of course, enjoy the great game of football. So we salute you, all those servicemen and women out there on this Memorial Day. Talking about, of course, OTAs and running down what OTAs had uh, in store this last week. We will see more this week from Inside the Star. But got a question on Twitter, and this is what we're going to take as our Mailbag Monday segment. The Amir on Twitter, who does great work and has always sent us fantastic questions. He said, which former Falcons free agent will make the most impact for the Dallas Cowboys in year one. And we're going to throw Dan Quinn out on this question because I would still kind of consider him in that group, a former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, who is now the defensive coordinator. But Keona Neal and Demonte Kazee, of course, both in the secondary, at least while they were in Atlanta. But we might see a couple changes there. Who makes the biggest impact, Rob? And we'll start with you because you had a great piece on Keona Neal and his switch to linebacker. Thank you. Thank you. I'll go with him. I'll go with him because I think. We've talked about identity for this defense and and what this defense need. They need an edge. They need a physicality. And you watch tape of him in Atlanta. That's what he brought, man. He brought the wood. He brought some big hits. He brought a another run defense stopper, uh, a guy that played safety but was in the box a lot. And he's going to be down more, just like he, you know, in terms of this new linebacker role or this hybrid role, whatever he is. I think he's going to bring more of what they need in terms of attitude and trying to develop a personality. Uh, I, but I think both of them very well could be essentially week one starters. So wow. it's a good question. I mean, KZ probably, I mean, on paper, starting free safety? Is that fair? Yeah, no, that's that's very fair. If he's but, healthy? Yeah, but yeah. when you talk about Neil, one of the things that you just points out is that on the roster has him at 215, 213. He's a lot bigger than that. You you could tell that he's, put, he's packed on some weight. Um, but very mobile. Uh, had this had an Achilles a, as well, but you don't see any residual effects uh, from that. He talked about his role on this defense and where he's going to be, and knowing that there's a simplified approach to Dan Quinn's defense and what's going to be demanded of him. And I think that's what handles all of the pressure for these guys. You have a clearly defined role within yeah. this defense, and he knows as the rover, as the nickel linebacker, hooks, curls, flat areas where he needs to be. And so the tight ends in the NFL right now just way too good. You know, you we, we, we go back always to the Levante David because they won the Super Bowl, but yeah. what Levante David did against Kelsey was phenomenal yeah. uh, and probably couldn't have been done if the the Chiefs are clicking on all cylinders in the, in the Super Bowl. So, look, just knowing that he has a grasp of this defense, I think, gives him a leg up against everyone else. Yeah, I think so. I think the fact that we're talking about the front seven so much this offseason, I think he's going to have the greatest impact you know, with that, right? Um, I think they're, I think teams' inability to really drop back, uh, what we're hoping that their inability is to be able to drop back and throw the ball um, is going to lead to the, the impact that Neil's going to have, being able to be in that box. And Everybody's talking about his size. You don't have to be big. I don't know why mm. this keeps coming up. Uh, right. <laughs> if you're an in-the-box guy, you need to be big. But if you're, you're outside the box and are kind of on the edge, you don't have to be big. You just have to be explosive. And the thing that Dan Quinn's going to ask you to do is play hard and play fast. Uh, you just talked about his responsibilities. He has a very, uh, very you know, very detailed responsibility in his in his defense. He's asked to do those two things, and um, I think that's going to be the expectation. I think he'll be able to you know deliver on those things. And pe- I'm sorry, go uh, for it. No, people talk. You know, ask the question to him about coming from safety to linebacker, and if there was going to be any problems with doing that. And he pointed out, I mean, I've been a linebacker my whole career. I've been yeah, yeah. I was a linebacker in high school. I was a linebacker in college, and so you know making that move I think you know it's it, it, not enough I, I guess people are making too much of it yeah, very much so. I mean, when when you think about the safety position, I don't know how much people really understand. When you're when you're playing safety, you got when by the time guys get to you, they're at full speed. Right, so, much. so when, by the time guys get to you, they're at full speed. Whether that's a running back, you know, getting through the first two layers, or whether that's a receiver running their routes on air, pretty much, um, you know, you have to deal with the best of what that person has to provide. Now you roll down into the box. Now all of a sudden, I'm putting I'm putting more guys in less space, 
right? <laughs> and these guys are, don't have the ability to get up and use their athleticism uh, right. to the to the highest power. So I think it puts him in a better position than he has been in the past. He did say he was going to put on a little bit of weight, like five pounds, yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. But which he'll lose in camp, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, <yeah>. That'll be <laughs> camp weight shedded yeah. now. Does it worry you at all his injury history? Uh, ACL tear in 2018, torn Achilles in 2019. I know there's not a ton of pressure on him to come in and be a, a game changer. He could be. He's He was a former first-round pick. He's somebody that, at least in Atlanta, was expected to be a game changer. Those yeah. expectations aren't the same here. But now with the switch to linebacker, a position that has been very well known around this organization specifically for how fragile they can be, does his injury history throw up a red flag in his switch to that spot? Nah, not for me. I mean, take it from somebody who's had a ton of injuries. I mean, each <laughs> each injury is is its own deal, right? It's its own isolated uh, incident. You know, you know, you said it a little while ago. You know, everybody's one play away from being hurt or yeah. being injured, I should say. Um, but you know, in in regards to him and his Achilles, I mean, I've had the Achilles, right? I came back bigger, faster, stronger. So wow. I mean, that I mean that's the. Technology, science, all this stuff, medicine has come so far. These guys, and the, the type of player he is, he plays with his hair on fire, right? So you put him in that box and say, hey, go, <laughs> go, he's going to do that. So I don't think that the, the injuries, you know, whether it's Dak or whether it's Collins or whether it's Smith, it doesn't matter. Everybody has a chance to get, to get injured. Um, you just pray and ask, you know, that it doesn't happen. Well, we're going to have to definitely just rethink Achilles injuries altogether yeah. because DeMonte KZ – I had to stop and I had to ask myself, like, did wait a minute, didn't he have an Achilles? He's yeah, a guy that you yeah. think is going to be on the sideline with Brett Brown working on bands, getting himself ready yeah. uh, for camp, and he's out there flying around. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe, like I said, modern medicine, man, is phenomenal, yeah. and guys' ability to not be have a, a, an injury like this be so, not a death sentence, but something that holds your career back for years before you can get back on the ground again. Barry Church came back. Better player after after his injury. Um, Neil, I think he played 15 games for Atlanta last year. Yeah. So I, I think those injuries are behind him. He did have an ACL, I think, the year before that. It, it, to me, you're looking at KZ coming off the year before. But he looked good, to Heck's point. He looked good in this workout. A little bit of a surprise that he was doing as much as he was. So... No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I. There should be any real concerns about, especially Neil's injury. Well, talk, specifically talking about Kazee, nine snaps short of a thousand in 2019. I mean, he was a heavy usage yeah. in that Atlanta secondary, and it was his best year by far. Had an 80 straight up PFF grade in 2019. Allowed 10 receptions on 19 targets, which is just over 50%, of course, for those of you math nuts out there listening. 880 of his snaps came at free safety. So you mentioned in the, in the beginning of the segment, are, is he your free safety right now? Is your Because I keep seeing on Twitter, and a lot of people are saying that there's not a free safety on this roster. I disagree. I think DeMonte Kazee is your free safety right now, alongside Donovan Wilson, who could also play a little bit of the free. Means the strong, but he can play some free as well. How flexible is that position right now as we look at it today? I think they've got some guys. They feel, I think they feel better about that position personnel-wise than they did last year. Now, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we got we got to camp last year. They felt pretty good about HaHa Clinton-Dix. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> they did. Woo! Exactly. That's a zinger. He just throws it right in there. Week into camp, he was on the sideline, and yeah. then he was cut by midseason. Did he make it out of training camp? No, no, forget, he didn't. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple other guys that made it out of training camp, but didn't make it through the season. Exactly. So Daryl Worley, Don Terry Poe, po. Everson Griffin traded. Oh my gosh! Not the best free agent Ugh. class. Didn't work out. But look, Dan Quinn, guys. I think having an understanding of his scheme is important. Jerron Curse is somebody that they think you talk about the ability to cover tight ends from that safety position. They think he can do that. He was actually running with the ones last week. He was. Donovan Wilson, they're mixing and matching at this point. I wouldn't read anything into that. Uh, but, yeah, I think they feel a little bit better about the personnel that they, they've got compared to last year. We'll see what happens. It's very, very early. So, Isaiah, what are realistic expectations? Because the last thing we want to do as a show is get ahead of ourselves, kind of like we did last year where we were writing up a Defensive Player of the Year trophy for Everson Griffin. Everything but the inscription was already done on that thing by the time he got signed. So We had party hats and balloons. We were were partying. where where do the expectations lie for both of these guys, Kazee and Neil? We've talked about them and where they fit into the scheme. Of course, they've got a head start there. Yeah. Should we expect them to be starter caliber? 
I think you can expect them to be starter caliber just from the standpoint of the leadership, right, where they're coming from. They understand the concept. They understand exactly what, you know, Coach Quinn's putting down, you know. So, right. um, but in terms of being just a your longevity guy who just plays, you know, all, all 70 snaps, I don't see that. I don't see that whatsoever. I think at the second level, we're going to be seeing you know a whole bunch of guys coming in. Uh, I think in the, in the secondary, we're going to be seeing a little rotation as well. You know, we got that. We got six four Israel sitting back there. You know that we can't forget about that dude's yeah, a beast. Uh, I cannot wait to see him with pads on. Uh, so I, I think that you have the res- you know resurgence of some of these young guys that are coming in here that are going to be fighting um, to and, be, and being competitive. You know, this environment is going to change. You know, the environment is going to become a lot more competitive. So I think you'll see the leadership um, being asked of those older gentlemen and then these young guys coming in and challenging them. And I really believe that the strength of this defense may be in some of their sub packages yep. and bringing in, you know, fresh guys and Israel, the, the the rookie going in at free safety and, and just mixing it up with the different looks, yeah. you know, but having guys like uh, Kazee and Neil on your team to be able to you know, let the learning curve be a lot less for your younger guys. That's where I think that the divide is, is made up. You know, it's just being able to get these guys coached up on the field and answer some of these questions in real time. Time, that obviously you'll get in the classroom as well, but just realizing where we are as far as how athletic the linebacker room is now, yeah. how athletic, how much more athletic or how much more confidence you have in the safety positions. I mean, all of those things I think are relative, but again, let's slow down gym shoes. Let's not do it again. <laughs> let's not do it again uh, because we know that during camp, a lot of this in live action right now, it's all friendly fire, but we're when it goes comes down to live action, that's where we're going to see uh, some of these guys, you know, make separation. Okay, get the pads on. Oh yeah, that's going to be a big key to whoever has some success whenever training camp does come around. So we only have a couple more shows prior to our little break that we normally take in the middle of the summer. So we're going to already start kind of looking ahead a little bit to training camp and maybe some crowded rooms that are going to have to be addressed with questions quite like the ones we just talked about. Who are those crowded rooms? What are those crowded rooms? And who is going to make it out of that when we return here on Talking Cowboys presented by GEICO? The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Cooler weather makes it easier to work outdoors. And we can make it even easier. With our Buckaroo package that features a 3025E, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, box blade, and a trailer for $295 per month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. What could be easier? Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Back to Talking Cowboys. 
Dallas Cowboys football and Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders dance youth camps are back this summer for athletes and dancers of all skill levels. Two and three day camps are available with new dates added at AT AT&T Stadium and the star in Frisco. Spots are limited. Register today at DallasCowboys.com slash Academy. A very giggly group of talking Cowboys analysts. It's Isaiah, boy. Isaiah. (laughs) Isaiah cold water over here, boy. Cold-blooded. Let's call it like I see it, man. You do. You do. You call it like like you see it. it. So let's call it like you see it. How about this? We had a jersey number switch. Mm. I don't know. Uh I don't think it's a big deal on on my side because, I I mean, I guess it's going to happen regardless and there's nothing you can do about it. However... It's a big deal to a lot of people because there is one certain Jalen Smith who has now combined his five and his four to make a nine on his jersey. One of the few jersey changes we did see throughout the Dallas Cowboys whenever OTAs opened up. Mr. Isaiah Stanback, you were one that had actually donned a jersey in the NFL. How important is that number change and what do you think about the one with Jalen Smith? You're asking the wrong person because I never cared about numbers. See, I, I don't either, really. I don't care about numbers. I um, I hope that it's financially beneficial to him because I my understanding is that he had to he had to cut a nice little check to get that. Yes, I guess my understanding is that you have to pay out the remaining inventory um, for yeah. for those jerseys. That's which the NFL rule. I'm not half really, a million dollars. Half a million dollars. You think so? He paid out. It means a lot to him. Though. Yeah, wow. half a million. Wow. <laughs> But no, no, no. Would you do that? Wait a minute. No. <laughs> but, For but what? Look, because now you're a business owner, you're a family man. All of those things makes like when you think half a million dollars, you think you know milk, right? <laughs> but yeah, bread, it's, it's, you know, life. I mean, but, I mean, if, if if it's that important to him, then it's that important to him. I mean, but personally. I've never cared that much about numbers. I understand why people are probably up in arms because, especially here at Cowboys Nation, that nine uh, means something. The nine means something to people, uh, and then so do a bunch of other numbers, right? There's, I mean, shoot, half the dog on numbers are probably gone here with the Cowboys because of the amount of great players that have come through here. But um, in terms of Jalen, hey, do what you do, man. You got the bread to do it. Buy buy your jersey number back. I mean, you were nine. You know, you went to fifty four. You made another nine version, and then you coming back. So. Guys, guys are, some guys are attached to their numbers. Some yeah. guys are really attached. It doesn't have anything to do with how they play on the field, though. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no look good, play good? <laughs> nothing. No, there's something to that. Right? There, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, for, for Jalen, I, I have, over the last couple of weeks, especially when he announced the jersey change, the venom from, fan base, from the fan base and people just saying, you know, what difference does it make? How dare you do this? And just wearing 54 and what 54 means to the franchise, I think it's really interesting. Uh, a guy like Jalen Smith that when you look at what he's done on the field, and I know this isn't popular opinion right now, but 80 solo tackles averaging for the last three years, 154 tackles last year. If you're looking around the league and you're comparing these numbers, are you giving the same criticism uh, to other linebackers? Let's just say Leighton Vanderesh had 154 tackles last year. Are you criticizing Leighton Vanderesh the same way that you're putting the criticism on Jalen Smith, is it? Does it bother you that much that he's a businessman that he swipes? I mean, Leighton Vander Esch has a whole wolf call if he just lands around a pile. What? I, I'm just trying to understand I, where the venom comes from, guys. Uh, yeah, there, I think there, the there's no shade headed. coming from this direction. Are you, do, I, what? Do you do you care about the number change? I don't care. At do all. you care about the number change? I do not. How yeah, about you, I really don't. Yeah. So it, we don't. The, we the people. We yeah. No people care. People people do care. People I mean, care. but I can't speak on that. I think it comes down. Look, he put a post on Twitter, showed pictures of him growing up wearing it. If, like you said, if it means that yeah. much to him, and the Joneses say, "Yeah, wear it, do it," it's fine. Then fine. Yeah. I mean, there are no retired numbers in this franchise. There are numbers that are kind of unofficially untouchable. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't exactly. been a twenty-two. There hasn't been a twelve. There hasn't been. I mean, there's been eighty-eights, but there hasn't been certain numbers. Eight. Um, I think fans wanted nine to be in that category. Well, okay, if you feel that way because you've always loved Tony Romo, fine. If you don't care like we do, fine. I I don't think it really matters. That's kind of what I said leading in. I I think it's a moot point because you can't change anything about it. It's not going to change. He wanted it. He went and got it. The one problem I have is is with Romo fans that say, how dare you? 
I want I want receipts. <laughs> if you're a Romo fan and say you are, I want receipts because there are so many fans that thought Romo was just awful and sucked and get him out of here and he's mm-hmm. overrated and he's not elite and all this stuff. And now. then time passes and it's like, oh now. man, he's the greatest ever. God, we <laughs> we didn't give him enough help. And it's like I just think it's it's revisionist history with Tony Romo. And one day yeah. because when you're in that chair and you're playing that position you're compared to Aikman and Roger and Dak's getting some of that now and it's not fair so for fans that are up in arms how'd you feel about Tony back then that's just all I want to know I love what Rob just said I I don't know whoever puts together the little cow bites and whatever that are on like our website that needs to (laughs) be that's the one that needs to be one from this episode. I want that, receipts. That was that's really good. Yeah, really well said because you can't wish wash your way around it. And same thing with Jalen Smith. I mean, if you're not a, not for him, stay not for him because if he comes around and has a really good year, we're going to see the receipts as well, and we're gonna we're gonna want those too. So, I I mean, I am just as much of a skeptic around his game as anybody. Oh, and we know. I, I'm the same thing with Leighton Vander Esch. I'm not sold on either one of those guys. But we're uh, we're going to see how that works out with the the nine in the linebacking core here coming up this year. So, final couple minutes here. We do have a lot of crowded rooms whenever it comes to the Cowboys uh, and their roster heading into training camp here in a couple months. Or I guess what would that be? A month and a half now? Six weeks? Latest July? About six weeks from now? Oh, training camp? Gosh. Oh my lord! Yep. Um, so yeah. Running out of time in terms of picking out who could be the odd man out in some certain scenarios. Corner, wide receiver, edge rusher, linebacker. Lots of bodies put into those four positions. Is there one that sticks out to you guys, at least watching from OTAs, that is quite crowded right now and is going to have to see some trim whenever we get closer into the summer? Uh, Well, right now the cornerback position is going to be that's the one to watch there's 11 guys at corner on the roster right now yeah counting yeah. Reggie Robinson and, yes sir and Reggie and and hey we the, saw a spark back playing corner playing he corner good. and Maybe he looked nice good play on the ball and he looked good yeah you know so I, he might have been playing safety on Wednesday but on on or whatever day we were out there he was, yeah, playing, he was corner. playing corner yeah but when you when you look at guys like you know Anthony Brown Jordan Lewis um Diggs, obviously, he didn't have much to worry about. But still, that first group, you could tell from those veteran guys that they recognize that they're on the hot seat. I mean, yeah. they're practicing in it like they are on the hot seat. Got, so, got, got no fire in their butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and so, I mean, it, it obviously has to be that your guy, Nashawn Wright, he did. Oh, yeah, hey, E-Honda. Hey, E-Honda. E-Honda. <laughs> uh, hey, Nashawn, you know, made another play on the ball. And there's just little things that you're starting to see. Kelvin Joseph. Again, footwork-wise. I mean, these young guys are going to – and you want to see them put the pads on and see what they do in live action. But I'm telling you, man, this is a really good group, and the position battles uh, might be epic. Mm. I agree. I'm, 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 that room is stacked right now, and I mean, what what we talked about, you know, after the hiring of Dan Quinn was about competition and how important that is to yes. him and his culture. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. We're seeing it show up. And I think you're going to continue to see that all the way through training camp. And guess what? Competition has never made a team worse. No. Never. <laughs> never. Now, never. Last year after training camp, the Cowboys took five guys at cornerback. Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, which I think this year you could say those are the three locks out of the cornerback group. And then after that, it was Cheeto and Daryl Worley after that. So that that those were the five last year. So you put those three guys, speaking of, of Brown, Lewis, Diggs, in this group, what is there, two more spots left? Well, and there's Reggie Robinson, two Kelvin dra- Joseph. Two draft picks are making this team. Nashawn Wright. Yeah. He's on the team. There's already three guys right there. Right. I Jordan Lewis is interesting because three guys making our team. Huh? Three guys. When you, when you factor in Israel, throw him in that secondary too. Is he going to be yeah. considered a, a safety though? Probably, be, so. Probably safety. in the safety yeah. group. Yeah. I mean, but but he goes into that same pot. The DBs. Yeah. Right? yeah. There I mean, were ten only, last year. There's only so many DBs that you take, and I think mm-hmm. you know Dan Quinn will probably have. He's they're gonna have to play it, figure it out. They got two more roster spots though, right? We still we have fifty five now, or are we still have uh, it's fifty five well, on game day. You can have two day. practice yeah, yeah, yeah. squad so, elevations. Yeah, got yeah. you. So I mean, yeah. it's gonna be tight. It's gonna yeah. be real tight. <laughs> it's real tight at corner. I mean, I 
Kelvin Joseph may not be a walk-in starter, but he's going to play. Oh, hey. he'll, make, he'll make the roster. He's going to play. So there's four spots. We're, we're talking about one spot here, and it's going to be decided between a third-round pick this year and a fourth-round pick last year. I just think Nashawn Wright's going to make this team. I just don't wow. think they drafted him not yeah. to develop him and Crazy. and you know work with him. Even if he's not going to play year one, he's going to be on special teams. I'd well, be surprised if he didn't make this team. I I'm with you on Anthony Brown. He's a veteran guy. Diggs obviously a starter. Jordan Lewis is interesting because he's played different spots. I mean, he's been in the box. He's been safety some. Like, could they move him around maybe? And maybe that gives you some flex at the corner position. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I think they're probably going to take six this year, right? There's a chance they take six corners, and then one of those is maybe like a DB corner hybrid type thing, like safety corner goes back and forth, like you said, maybe with a Jordan Lewis or maybe a guy like Reggie Robinson, who has now, of course, spent a year in both categories. Mm -hmm. What about wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball? We've talked a little bit about that spot previously, but can any of these guys, at least based off of what you've seen so far, challenge the likes of maybe a Cedric Wilson or a Noah Brown? Nothing. Isaiah's I'm, just shaking his head. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on the wide receiver extraordinaire <laughs> Super Bowl you know, champion. I, I mean, tell me I, something. It's not great radio. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much before training camp. Uh, based upon what I've seen, I don't see anybody challenging their spots currently. Okay. We'll see once training camp shows up. We'll see once uh, once once Pittsburgh you know steps on the field. Uh, we'll we'll see what guys bring to the table. Yeah, because special teams is going to be a big part of that as well, and that's really what you're going to see their impact in those areas as well as playing just receiver. I think Cedric Wilson would have had a huge training. Or I mean, he did have a huge training camp, but I think he would have had a huge preseason last year if oh, he would yeah. have had the chance. Yeah. You know, I always hear you talk about the learning curve for wide receivers coming into the league and what it was like for you being in that group. So I can just only imagine what it's like for guys like Simi Fuhoko and some of these undrafted free agent <laughs> guys. And, you know, look, they're trying to find a spot amongst a bona fide bonafide superstar yeah. group. Yeah. And so then you have guys behind them ha- that have pretty much solidified themselves. I think Noah Brown, if we're just going to point out anyone, he may be the one spot that may be up for the taking if someone can can you know, you know, unseat him. Yeah. And so, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot simply because of his understanding of the offense and, he's not and, give it up. and because of his contributions on special teams. That's the kicker. That's the one because yeah. the special teams coordinator has some sway in the room. I mean, he <laughs> yeah, he got some sway. He's he got, got the last call. He <laughs> absolutely. I mean, for those, I'm sorry for those that don't know, the special teams coordinator when they they all sit at the table and say, okay, well we got we got these two guys, and they're going to say, right. <laughs> and he's gonna say who has the most Mr. impact, Mr. Right? John Fossil. Who, who's the most versatile? Who has the most impact? Right? Who is it that you have to have on the field in all in all you know every every sequence? So I mean, absolutely, you're yeah. absolutely right. Fossil's gonna have a huge say in this. I and just watching Cedric Wilson last week, I you know, he make a ton of plays or anything, but like I you remember he was really good for them last year in his role. I mean, really good. And if Dak had been there the whole year, they had a great connection. Like I know that Seattle game. Yeah, like yeah. I know he's making two million bucks, and that can, you know, you look at the the stat, or the, the the salary sheet, and you're like, okay, if, if Fajoko, what he's making, if he can push a guy that's making two million bucks with your cap situation, but I don't know. I think he's a guy that really in in a ro- receiver rotation, Dak likes him. He's a good player. That's the other thing. So Dak likes them, and then you you factor in the, the standpoint of we need to see how these guys block. Yeah, how are they going to block? Because running the running game is so is such an important portion of this offense, especially right? now. Especially <laughs> now, right? If these guys are unwilling to get in there and put, which we know Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson, we know these guys to get in there and get dirty, right? So you got Fajoko and you got some of these new guys. If you don't want to show up and get dirty, then you might as well go go ahead and, and post up. Yeah, it's not going to work out yeah. for you yeah. too quickly whenever yeah. training camp comes around because of how crowded that room is. Other crowded rooms in the front seven, edge rusher, linebacker. With edge rusher specifically, I think this yeah. is going to be really fun. Tank and Gregory, and then what? A cluster after that: Dorrance Armstrong, Bradley and I, Terrell Basham, Carlos White, or excuse me, uh, Brent Urban, Chauncey Golston, Chauncey Golston. Yeah, yeah. Chauncey Golston is Yikes. a thing that you got to watch for, and I think. <clears throat> Basham, they brought in Basham, and a lot of people kind of like, yeah, what's going? You know, why would they make that? You know, guy that's kind of unproven, high draft pick, hadn't shown it, but his energy and his ability to, you know, want his want to, you yeah. see, you see it being there, and I think if they.
they could coach this guy up. And if he can get around some of these veteran guys and emulate some of what they do, and we don't want to emulate everything <laughs> um, from last season, but I'm just saying, some of those – he is a guy that is going 100 miles per hour all the time. And if you're a guy going 100 miles per hour and you don't have the moves in your wheelhouse, you get stuck, right? You're mm-hmm. stuck in the mud mid-move. He's just Those are some of the things that he has to cultivate. But he could be someone that pushes another guy, maybe a Dorrance Armstrong, maybe a Bradley, a Nye Kyle. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Gonna, I know you don't, but Bradley looked good. Okay. Bradley looked like he's I gained some weight. Yeah. I, I mean, he looks more yeah. explosive. I think those are the things that happened to a guy in the second year in the league. Did he gain a couple inches on his arms? He did not. Oh, that's <laughs> tough to do. Dang it! It's worth a shot. I, I thought I would at least ask. Uh, can Terrell Basham be this year's Alden Smith? That's a good question. Kind of an undersung signing who had, of course, uh, a great past, but or not a great pass, but a, at least a high performance pass with, with the early draft pick and whatnot, work his way into the starting lineup and actually produce a little bit? I think he's going to play. I think yeah. he's going to play quite a bit. I mean, I I think he was a guy that was on a bad team last year but was productive. And, sure. and motor is exactly it. That's what they like about him, and they liked him a lot coming out. They you know, did. They, they, they knew about him coming out of the draft. So I think he's going to have a role, a defined role. And, and maybe, you know, I don't know if he's going to play as much as Alden did. But he's going to be in the rotation. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Hmm. I think that would be it. That, that's a fun one to look out for. Because I think he, as compared to the draft picks, I mean, with Chauncey Golston and some of these other guys, he's one of the last talked about. And I think he should be one of the first talked about right after Tank and Gregory, right in that defensive line group. So we've mentioned some of these position groups. What about offensive coordinator, gentlemen? Because we do have another voice in the pile this year, in the room this year. Come on. It's the ben, second week in a row. Ben McAdoo. Pressure on Kellen Moore, maybe? I mean, of course, McAdoo was pretty decent as the offensive coordinator for the Giants in 2014 and 2015. Kellen Moore has to improve when it comes to the red zone. He, that, I mean, bottom line, that's where his weakness is. McAdoo was pretty good in the red zone during his time in New York. Isaiah, you, you gave me a little smirk whenever I mentioned Big McAdoo. <laughs> what you, you know used to about play for the Giants, huh? It, it wasn't yeah. during that time, though. It was not during that time. Um, yeah, we're going to see what Mac would do because <laughs> I mean, we're going to see what he does. In Hired terms... as a consultant, by the way. I Absolutely, yeah, he's, that. A, he's a consultant, and I honestly don't know how um, influential. Um, consultants are when it comes to the team. I have never been in a position where there is a, a, a higher consultant. Now there were other guys around, but um, we'll see. You know, maybe he maybe he just be kind of a big brother to Kellen Moore. Maybe it's somebody he can lean, kind of lean on. You know, I don't I don't know Kellen Moore enough to know if he if he's somebody that would ask. You know, that would kind of step outside of himself to ask for um, others' opinions or other point of views. Um, but you know, somebody who's been around the league for a little bit, maybe it never hurts to have another voice around unless they're just really trying to overthrow what you're doing. So I, I don't have much to say aside from, hey, it's another, it's another, it's another brain in, in the room. Man, that's a political answer right there. You like that? That's, that's, how, that's how, how you, you run for a position. No, that's that's the mayor. <laughs> I don't think it's political, though, because don't, we don't really know what he's yeah. going to do. Mm-hmm. We don't really know his role. What, is, what does consultant mean? We, I don't really know. Rob, we have I consultants mean, out here coaching the linebackers. So, I mean, there's – that all things being considered equal, I, I think we have to look at that and act, absolutely look. When you talk about his success and what he was able to do in New York, right? Red zone specialist, if you want to call him any of that. We I, Kyle last week talked about the creativity of the offense kind of lagging. Maybe that's where he comes in and gives some pointers. Hmm. You know, I think Kellen Moore obviously. He's he's unbothered uh, either way it goes because he it's as his, he should be it's his job right yeah. and he he re- he recognizes in the personnel and the guys that have played under him believe in him hadn't heard anything to the contrary uh, around here so whatever McAdoo is going to do it's going to, <laughs> to add it's going to be adding to what we already have not taken away I agree another set of eyes sounding board whatever you yeah. want to call it you mentioned linebackers I was thinking the same thing George Edwards accomplished coach. Available, brought him in last year. Now that was a coaching role, kind of helping with the linebackers. Um, I think in terms of helping with Dak, helping maybe even some of the game planning stuff, maybe he's going to be involved there. But 
Kellen Moore just got a contract extension, man. Yeah, yeah he's, there's, he's there's, good. There's no threat there. I mean, yeah. like, like, like if, we, and if it is, it's not been McAdoo. I don't think. No, it's, I mean, like no. I said, it's just you're sitting in a meeting room. You know, you have you have Dak Prescott, you got Kellen Moore on one side, you got McAdoo on the other side, and Kellen Moore is coaching up Dak, and all of a sudden, you know, McAdoo taps him on the shoulder and is like, "Hey, you know, check this out." That's it. That's that's what I that's why I foresee, and then maybe in the game planning, yeah, he you know he says, "Hey, how about you guys think about this?" Yeah, that's that's it. That's all I foresee him doing, but we don't know. He's been with McCarthy three different spots. Yeah, yeah, that's his boy. Yeah. So, and that's what coaches do. I, that's what coaches they do. They help out their friends. That's called the coaching tree for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it, a guy falls out. That's Ben McAdoo. Here we go. Ben McAdoo's going to be in training camp. He's going to talk to Michael Gallup. He's going to be like, hey, Michael, hey, uh, <laughs> do the one handed catch thing over the top of a Cowboys hey, DB. Hey, Rob, I'm just, just right on the say corner of the end zone. I didn't, we didn't get a text message when he was on ESPN. Well, he, I was going to say, pull us back, uh, this side of the room is yeah, ESPN. non-ESPN. Yeah, that side of the room ESPN. is ESPN. Did you see the segregation in Wow. There? Wow. <laughs> it, I mean, I, th- I, did you get an invite? I did not. I, I did not either. So you're saying that McAdoo's getting pulled up by his boy, but they didn't. I think okay. I did uh, invite you at one point. Whenever Heckma like, missed, I think I did invite Isaiah, and he said, nah, no, man, I don't no, want to do it. No. I should have called Rob. No. no, I didn't That's on me. The key word there was think. Look, no. and the thing is, and the, and the thing is about it is, you have to show some professionalism and be on time the first time in order to get up. Wait a minute! Wait I knew it was coming. I knew that was coming. You had to go hundred miles per hour in your Tesla. What's going on with the state troopers around here, man? Somebody get this guy a police escort. I told him I knew somebody who worked for ESPN. You better use it. Two guys. Two guys. Not me. Not you. That side of the room. You're going to be a lot, a lot slower on the way back while driving. Please. Speed limit. I went the speed limit. Oh, that's going to do it for us on Talking (laughs) Cowboys. Oh, good. Thank you for sticking with us here over the last hour. Hope you had a great weekend. We will see you regular time next week, Monday at 1130. And, of course, that is subject to change because I don't know what the actual schedule is moving forward whenever it comes to upstairs. But we'll figure it out. 1130 tentatively next Monday here on Talking Cowboys. For Rob Phillips, Isaiah Stanback, Heckma Harrison, Scott Purcell, Aaron Gonzalez, and Chris Beam in the back, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you next week on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!